I'm Sarah, aka Try Sarah for Kids on the Leaderboard. Hi, I'm Katie, aka Katie Calavacino on the Leaderboard. We are friends, triathletes, and working moms with six kids ages 12 and under between us. We like to talk. We like to listen and tell great stories. And we love to ride our Peloton. Together, we bring you the Empower Hour podcast with Katie and Sarah, and we plan to share what's going on in our world, answer important training and racing questions, and bring on inspirational, intriguing, and insightful guests, all with the mission to motivate you to move. While our focus will be mostly on power zone training on the Peloton, we will also address issues that affect a broad spectrum of healthy living. Things like squeezing everything in when you've got small kids at home to returning to fitness after pregnancy or injury and so much more. So join us each week as we catch up, discuss our mutual love of training and all things Peloton and tap into the minds of experts and fascinating guests while bringing you the advice and inspiration you need. This week, Sarah and I recap our epic Pelofondo weekends and discuss our next challenge, six weeks to a fast 5K under the guidance of our one and only Sarah. Then for our Power Up segment, we bring on Team Wilfers coach Laura Wozner, aka Sarah's sister, to discuss the popular question of, can I train for a triathlon on a Peloton? We keep Laurel on for our powerhouse segment because she is truly an inspiration to our community as the first cancer survivor to become a professional triathlete and multiple Ironman champion. Hello, Katie, how are you doing? Good, um, how are you? How are you? How are your legs feeling after the weekend? Talk about Pelofondo here. Yeah, so congrats to both of us to our Pelofondo squad together hashtag twgf together we go far um that was such a fun event uh saturday and sunday mornings we i have to say we crushed it how many miles did our team get total uh we were at like 1700 which is 500 more than the january Pelofondo. we were at about 1200 so i mean it was great we had people riding all the I think there was 27 people on our team, um, but then a couple, maybe only 24 did it actually completed it. There was a couple who had to drop out for one reason or another, but um, yeah, we, we put, put in a lot of miles and there was a lot of people who did a hundred. So a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just within like our group chat, we had a woman said, I'm going for a hundred. Like she wasn't planning on it. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, the group, like the group just, you know, we had a, that was so cool. We had a group chat going with like 18 of us and it was just a lot of fun. The gifts were going all over and yeah, we were just like, just having fun. And yeah, I, I was really surprised how quickly it went by. Uh, so I did about 51 each day and I was in the bike in the saddle for two hours and 45 minutes without unclipping. I just went for it. It just said, you know, I didn't have to go to the bathroom surprisingly. So I just decided I would plow through and get my mileage in, in one shot and having the company of the group and just like the high fives and it went by so fast. I was shocked. Um, I think for me, a, a tip that I didn't have until I just decided I'm going to start early um, because I wanted to get everything done before like my family woke up and all the activities started. So 
starting for me at six, six 30 was great because the first hour I was kind of just still sleeping through it. Yeah. I just didn't think about it. And after talking to Landon, uh, the week before I really thought about pacing and knowing that I was probably going to do one hard ride per day. Like that's it. I wasn't going to do anything crazy. So we did the 75 minute power zone with Matt. And then the next day I did a 45 minute hit in hills with Kendall. And those were my two like push efforts. The rest of the time, I really just stuck with zone two and zone three, if that, and yeah, it was fun. I wasn't trying to get a specific time um, or pace. I just wanted to get the mileage in. So, and for you, it went really well. Well, you, you, you crushed it. Yeah. So I think I did 115 and I did, I actually felt really crummy the first day. I don't know why I feel like maybe I didn't eat enough on Friday and it's always like what I eat the day before. Um, and then, so Saturday I was just like eating all day and I felt a lot better on Sunday. Um, and so I was able, I did more on Sunday actually. And sometimes that happens to me, like my legs, uh, feel better on the second day. Um, and one thing I just can't, you know, with these, I can't, I just can't get over say one, 120 miles. Um, I think if I ever want to do more, I'd have to, you know, take a break. And I thought about it Sunday. I didn't close out my, close out my total. I, you know, I took a shower, I got lunch and then I was like, do I really want to do more? And I just was like, I just want to relax, you know? And I, I decided, but if I do ever want to do more, I just think I'd have to do like another session later in the day. So it's yeah. just hard. You're relaxing and you're comfortable. And I don't know. You get over the, the, for me, it's like, once I clipped out, I didn't want to clip back in. Yeah, I, I exactly. have to take a shower. No, I was yeah. saying to um, my sister, I said, I really need to get better about running off the bike, you know, for triathlon training. Um, but the problem with Peloton is that I need to change. I'm so sweaty. Yeah. And the process of like, peeling off that soaked sports bra and soaked cycling shorts. All I want to do is take a shower and then I kind of get out of like the workout oh, yeah. mode. So she suggested just getting on the treadmill and just like, you know, being sweaty on the treadmill, but I think I'd be cold. I don't, I have to have an outfit right by. So I have to figure that component out because after such a long, even after an hour ride, I need to change. Um, but it was great. It made me just really happy about our progress and you know, group wise and seeing people out there doing this with, with us. And it was such a fun, uh, just communal event and yeah, really exciting people to be like, I've never rode that far. You know, this is the longest that I've ever done on the bike. And it's just, people are just so you get such a high from that, you know, and it's, it's really cool to see, see that people accomplish those things. Yeah. And I think because, um, we're not, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes when you go out on group rides, there's always some kind of drama where somebody's having a bad ride. Someone has a flat tire. Somebody lost goo. Yep. No what every long ride I've done, there's been some kind of tension or drama and you're, you just cancel all of that out because people are just at home. And if you need to stop, you stop. And so it's nothing but positive and, and positive. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tried to ride that all weekend. And then um, I took a little bit of, uh, me time on Sunday and just put my feet up and laid on the couch. And I thought, well, I'm not going to run because, you know, I just rode for almost three hours, but a couple hours later, I was like, I think I'm going to run because I surprisingly felt fine. I couldn't believe it. Um, and my son, Eamon is 12 and wants to, is going out for cross country. 
So he told me he wanted to do two miles at the. Track. Well, that's motivating for you. Yeah. And so he said, do you want to come to the track with me? And I was like, oh, I'm not turning this down. So we went to the track. It ended up being a gorgeous night. I took a, he took a picture of me at the sunset was amazing. And I just felt so, I think I was just riding that high from. Pelican yeah. Hill. And I just said, you know, my legs feel pretty good. I had a five mile workout to do. It wasn't even supposed to be a workout. And I just let my legs go. I didn't really look at the clock and I um, put on a Robin, an old school Robin, like 30 minute, I think it was uh, run, pop run. And I went far under what my goal pace was, which wasn't necessarily a good thing. Cause I do want to like, you know, not, I kind of have to hold the reins back, but I told Katie later that day, I said, I can't believe how good my legs feel after riding for three hours. And I was able to run, you know, pretty, pretty quick. So, yeah, that's great. I know I was feeling pretty, pretty high on Sunday. And then on uh, Monday, I felt great. I went to the pool. I was, you know, I felt great. And then yesterday it all hit me. I was just like, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Like I tried to, I ran, it, I mean, it went well, but it was, you know, I was a lot slower than I would. Yeah. I did, and I was the same way. I took Maeve uh, out in the jogging stroller. It was a gorgeous day. And I, I always say like, okay, just go slow. So I kept telling myself to go slow, but I don't think I could have gone any faster. My, I had to walk up hills because all of a sudden yeah. it felt like that jogging stroller weighed 300 pounds. Yeah, and your legs feel heavy. Yeah, my, my one like four or five mile route is really hilly going out. And so I knew I had these hills in front of me and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy the weather and walk up the hills and then I'll run the rest of the way. So yeah, I think we both experienced that delayed onset muscle doms. Um, It wasn't even soreness. It was just exhaustion for me, but, um, but today I'm going to head out back to the track or on the treadmill. I haven't decided. I don't think it's raining. I was worried about the rain, but um, uh, our six weeks to speed, which Katie has joined me in this mission to run a faster 5k. Uh, today's workout is 800 repeats. So I'm going to go out and try to bang those out and uh, see what happens. And hopefully my legs will react and feel better than they did yesterday. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about that. I, well, today I did math 6am and then I did a uh, was, was going to do like a three, three mile easy. And I ended up just doing a boot camp, a 45 minute boot camp after. And my legs felt great running, you know, uh, on the treadmill. You did a I, boot camp. I, I'm opposite of you though. I run a lot slower on a treadmill, like a minute per mile slower. I just can't, I don't know what it is. And I've had Matthias come up and look at me like, what am I doing wrong? Am I, you know, I just feel like I'm going so fast. I don't know. Everyone's different though. So everyone's different. Yeah. And um, I need mentally, it's hard for me to get locked into a treadmill run. Um, and then once I do, I am okay, but, uh, I don't love it. I don't know. It's something about just like running in place. I'd rather just run right. somewhere. I don't yeah. like riding into nowhere. I just want to run somewhere. So, um, I actually started coaching track on Monday. I'm so excited that the high school track season is happening. It's a very That's modified right. season. Um, but we are practicing in person. So I will be at the track with the high school team. Uh, this afternoon and part of me thinks maybe I'll just stay after and get the workout done yeah, but, yeah. So, you know if I have time this afternoon I'll, I'll go out and do my 800s it's it actually has been a good it's like a it's a small step in the right direction with these workouts I um it's it's very 
modify it's very limited mileage but that's what i need i know that you know that's i don't need to jump into like big big mileage and i'm so happy that you're joining me yeah i think it's great you know i haven't been running at all you know i hadn't been really at all i would say i was doing some boot camps maybe like five miles a week so this is great you know and i'm, I'm hoping i'm just hoping to stay injury free because whenever i start enjoying running something happens um so Thank I'm hoping me. to stay very free and I'm hoping maybe we can do something like a mar half marathon or something after that yeah. would be a lot to train for something like that together. I love that. Yeah. There are a few, there's some races happening, which is. Yeah. Or well, even if we do it virtually, I guess, you know, yeah. or we could meet up and do it together. Mm -hmm. Well, while we're on the subject of racing, uh, triathlons are happening now. Um, there's been some pro races. There's some age group races. We have a local uh, Rev three is our local, uh, racing. They put on races around here in kinetic as well. They're starting to have races. So you and I are still kind of on the fence about racing. Just, I, it, it's going to take a little bit more time for me to feel like I'm ready to race just because, um, various reasons, whatever, but people who are listening to this and people who are out there training on their Peloton, I know triathlons on the brain for many of them. Um, I have a good friend. Regan, who wants to do uh, a race here at Olympic distance, and she just got a Peloton, so she's using the Power Zone classes to help get her up there. So uh, fortunately, we have Laurel Wasner, who is an, a sister um, of mine. <laughs> we had her twin, Rebecca, on our first episode, and now we have Laurel, and she's going to be our Power Up segment uh, guest, as well as our Powerhouse segment guest, and she's going to speak to how biking on the peloton translates to biking outside something matt spoke about during his 75 minute ride on saturday and she has some great things to say about you know balancing it and making sure that you do get the outside time if you're planning on racing triathlon um but you know katie has shared before her atlantic city experience and that is always in the back of my head as far as you know your fitness level when you raced in atlantic city a couple years ago was just based pure almost purely on your peloton rides right yeah i did all of my training i maybe rode outside maybe once maybe and you um, did what like what was your do you remember what your average speed was my average power was like 154 my average speed was at least 20 21 i mean it was pretty high moving and you won yeah. didn't you win or you were yeah i won aqua bike far aqua bike yeah, <laughs> I had time to get to the finish line to watch Matthias win the entire race. That was like the the best thing. Yeah, that was amazing. You guys are yeah. just this race and cleaned up. But um, yeah, so your power average power is one fifty four, and that's about what you average in a power zone class. Like today, it was like one fifty for forty five minutes. Um, similar. Like yeah, it's like zone three. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool that I mean I think. When I do start racing, I will be so much more aware of what my body can do because I know what my body can do during a Peloton power zone class. I know yeah, that it does structure it, you know? Yeah. I think before this, I would just go off, uh, you know, a little bit of metrics, but mostly by feel and I'd look at my heart rate and I'd be like, well, I think I feel this way, but am I in the right zone? And now I just know, like I might know what zone two feels like. I know what zone three feels like, et cetera. Um, it's not always the same every day. Like yesterday I did Dennis's, uh, power zone 30 minute ride and I was tired. So zone three felt difficult, but I yeah, think it, <laughs> it, it did feel difficult, but it was not, it was not the easy breezy 
for zone three that usually is, but I had already run um, right before then. But uh, yeah, I think that I'm going to use the knowledge that I'm picking up using power zone training and apply it. Eventually when I do start racing, I know that it'll make me just be more aware and a smarter racer. So um, Laurel will talk about that. And she's also gonna share a little bit about her, her personal journey, which I know very well because I, you know, I've been following it for, since she started, but um, she has a great story and she's very inspirational. So it'll be fun to talk to her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, anything else going on in your life? Anything fun coming up on the horizon? Well, I've developed some tennis elbow. <laughs> oh, that's not fun. It's been my, so my elbow has been bothering me since right before we went to Curacao and you would think, oh, it's just probably just swam too much. Well, it, the planking thing backfired. And I think I had done like a 10 minute plank and the next day I was like, Ooh, my elbow, it just doesn't feel right. I was hoping one of those, well, hopefully the next day it starts to feel better. Nope. I just, you know, two weeks later, it's still bothering me. I haven't been doing any planks. Swimming doesn't seem to bother. It's not making it worse or better. So I finally went into the doctor on Monday and, uh, I go, I, I go to the same orthopedic and they're, um, they do some, they do prolotherapy and PRP. Um, and the guy's like, you know, you could, you could start doing PT, uh, and then you could try, if that's not working, we could try PRP. And I was like, what about prolotherapy? I've had it done before on my shin. And it's basically a sugar water that they inject into you. Um, and it just kind of stimulates the healing process a little bit better. I, I actually had it done on my shin, um, 2019 and like, it, it hurt like so bad for like a week and then it was gone, completely gone. The tendonitis in my shin was gone. So I'm hoping that this happens to, I've got an, uh, an arm brace on right now, but hoping that within a week it feels better. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not bothering me with swimming or biking or running. It's just in everyday things like picking up a cup. It's like, and it's my right hand. So I'm right-handed picking up a cup hurts, um, turning, opening a bottle. It's, it's painful. So, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You've been in pain. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Other than that, kids go back to school for the first time in like 400 days tomorrow, <laughs> 400 days. Yeah, I think it's been like, yeah, so. It has been, oh yeah, I guess it has been that long. It's been over 365 days, so. Well, it's a, yeah, so I have two back in, not today, but uh, you know, Nora's still every other week, so she's home this week. Nellie goes every day except for Wednesdays. Okay. Uh, it's going pretty well. So far, so yeah. good. They like it. Um, you know, I think that it's, it, things feel a little bit more normal now. I will be um, 100%, you know, fully vaccinated, all the antibodies loaded as of Sunday. So I think that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Or um, yeah. My uh, husband, Mark will be getting his second shot pretty soon. So, um, we have baseball swimming, things are starting to come back. We got word the other day that the summer swim league is going to happen. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I think that we're looking at somewhat of a normal summer. I mean, normal in the sense that, you know, the kids can do their thing, but um, more normal than last summer, more normal than last summer, where it was, everything was canceled at one yeah. thing after another. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to power up and get Laurel on board and we will chat with her. All right. Sounds good. So for our power up segment in this episode, we have Laurel Wassner, who's my sister, but she's also a team Wilpers coach and she's a 
pro triathlete. We're going to get into her story a little later on in this podcast, but because we have her here, we're going to have her talk a little bit about triathlon training and what made me think about this. We've had a lot of questions. We've had a lot of people ask us about um, training for a triathlon on the Peloton and also in his 75 minute power zone endurance class last Saturday, Matt actually talked about this and I had to go back and listen to the workout to hear what he had to say, but we'll have Laurel weigh in on this. But Matt said, in these classes, we have the ability to build tremendous fitness. You can work on VO2 max by getting into zone five and zone six. Those power zone classes can help get granular in here and build that pop to help you get over the hills. But you do need to get outside to get the handling skills like descending. And he said, I'll never forget one athlete I trained who built unbelievable fitness, but he didn't ride outside enough. So during a race, he crushed the the uphills, but hang on the brakes downhill. So we can accomplish things outside by getting strong effort. Sorry, inside by getting strong efforts without interruption, but you do need the time outside as well. So Laurel, obviously you can't hop into a triathlon uh, without ever riding outside, but can you talk about a little bit about balancing indoor rides and outdoor rides and what that might look like for a, a new triathlete? Coming to triathlon, uh, power zone riders, peloton riders are already one step ahead. They, you know, already understand the um, structures of workouts, the the balance of training um, that Matt speaks about, and getting all of the workouts in. Uh, one of the things, as you mentioned, riding outside is also important in triathlon. And what we like to stress as um, Team Wilfers coaches is getting all that fitness, like I was saying, getting the workouts in, getting the fitness in, the VO2 max work, the long rides, but there's the element of riding outside where you need to uh, practice bike handling skills and fooling on the go, drinking while you're riding, um, all of those things that go into play when you ride outside, um, as well as the comfort on your bike, uh, being able to sit on a bike outside for, you know, hours at a time, um, it's different muscles. So getting all of those things ready before you go out and ride outside um, and working on them outside. But you can do a lot of the training for a triathlon inside. So as far as like looking at your schedule and um, getting your Peloton workouts in, but also getting outside, do you tell your athletes maybe on the weekends to go out for a longer ride? And if so, how long of a ride, let's say we're, someone's looking at racing their first sprint or Olympic, what, how long out, uh, on, on the bike outside do you recommend? So for most of my, the people that we coach, they do a lot of the riding on Peloton, which is great, as I mentioned, for building fitness. And so we generally have people ride inside all week if they, um, if that's what there's, it's a lot of people are busy and getting outside requires a lot of time and commitment. So we'll have people do one outside ride a week. Um, and in the, in the winter, just all inside riding. But now that the summer, now that the spring is here and the weather is better going outside for a long ride, which can be, um, anything from an hour to you know, five hours if you're training for an Ironman. Um, but we start out just with an hour at a time. I just um, had somebody that's just got a first their bike for the first time. So their long ride is one hour and that feels like a long time for them for now. Um, but it will be 
increasing as the season goes on. I actually have a question. So uh, Sarah, I, you and I have talked about this. Um, one thing that I noticed is I have no problem getting off my Peloton and running. Like I, I feel like doing a brick, you know, and you guys probably do, I don't know, have your athletes do maybe one brick a week. Um, and is that going right off the Peloton? Because I, I can run easily off my Peloton, but when I try to run off my tri bike, it's, I'm in like a world of hurt there. Um, it's just so much different. So how do you guys uh, kind of mimic that? Or do you have people doing, you know, how do you guys, are you, you know, focusing your brick session, sessions? Um, like I was saying, the brick sessions during the week are mostly going to be Peloton to either treadmill or Peloton to outside rides or um, not just Peloton, but any kind of trainer ride. So it could be trainer treadmill, which is a good way to just knock things out. You don't have to go outside um, and you get the same kind of effect. But um, it's interesting that you mentioned that you can do it. Uh, you can run off a, um, a Peloton, but not a tri bike. And that could be, that could be due to positioning. Um, I think Peloton bikes are, you know, a lot more comfort. They're a lot more comfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so much more of an aggressive fit, like the hip angle is tighter. And so then I start running and my hips hurt or the Peloton, it's like, you're comfortable. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. So, um, a Peloton bike is much more upright and you don't have that hip angle you were talking about. So you're, you kind of, it's, they're built for comfort and tri bikes are built for aerodynamics. So it depends on really how aggressive you want to be with your position on the tri bike. Um, and a lot of times we just start people out in very upright positions and you just build up, you just kind of increment incrementally go down to as far as you can go. And then you find that balance between whether you want to be really arrow and pert or whether you want to sit up a little bit and have a better run. So it's just, just about finding the balance and it's also about practicing in the position. Mm -hmm. I think that as you get deeper into triathlon, you realize, you know, that you get an advantage by being in a more aerodynamic position, but for people who are just starting out, I don't think that should be as much of a concern. So like you said, if they aren't in that dialed in, you know, if you, if anyone can imagine what triathletes or maybe some, a site bike racer looks like they're hunched over their handlebars, we don't need to do that when we're first starting out. And so I think that little, you know, hybrid or that transition from Peloton to triathlon can, can happen because you just don't have to have that positioning on your tri-bike. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I definitely recommend people buying a road bike. If you're going to be, um, if you are interested in going from inside riding to outside riding, um, my recommendation is getting a road bike first, um, because they're more comfortable, um, a gravel bike or a road bike, something that you can ride on different surfaces and you can feel comfortable on before going diving right into the triathlon style bike, which is a little bit more, um, it's a little harder to handle. So um, yeah, there's for beginners getting on a road bike or even, you know, just any bike riding outside, um, but starting with a road bike is the way to go. Mm -hmm. I did that actually. When I first started triathlon, I had a road bike. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that way, you know, I figured if I don't stick with triathlon, I have a road bike that I can still ride around versus having the specific time trial bike for triathlon where 
a little harder to ride around with like your kids and go in a group ride. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, so I, I think that as far as, you know, triathlon goes, what we've kind of nailed down and to support what Matt said on Saturday as well is that the fitness is there for sure. I mean, I can tell you based on my own personal experience that I'm probably in as good a shape as I would be had I been training on my trainer all winter long and just using the Peloton, but getting outside and getting that, you know, the, the road underneath your wheels is so important. Um, as far as going downhill, we haven't touched on that. That was one thing that Matt said, you know, I think I'm still very timid when it comes to being outside, especially going downhill. So this, uh, Laurel is just something that you just need to do with experience, right? Just getting out there, practicing turns, going downhill, going uphill, you know, is that, um, is there any drills or anything that you recommend to your athletes as far as just getting those handling skills down? Yeah, it's um, a lot of people come to this, you know, from only inside riding. And first of all, you don't have to crush the downhills on every single ride, or you don't have to be a pro at cornering. Like these things take skill that, you know, the athletes work years to develop. So just getting out and trying it is the first, you know, the first step and realizing that um, it takes a long time to develop these skills. And that's okay. If, if it's not, if it's not something that you want to do, that's okay. You can find a race and, or a route that doesn't require a lot of downhills or, um, you know, you can pick a race that is flat and then work on your skills and then, you know, pick one that's a little rolling and then pick one that with a big hill. So there are definitely many routes you can take. Um, so I don't want to like, I, I don't like to scare people away from outside riding because they don't, you know, because they think that it's going to be so challenging. Um, because, you can find a place where there aren't any cars and you go around in a circle and you get that feeling of riding outside, which we all love and, and want. Um, but as far as gain, gaining the skills, um, the biggest thing is just to take it really, take it very slowly, like go into a parking lot, do turns around the parking lot, go into, I always find like an empty elementary school parking lot. And just knowing that there's going to be some different um, corners go around and maybe go into the back where there's like a, you know, another, another little place that you can make a tight turn and nobody is there because, you know, there's this, like on a weekend, there won't be any cars in there. So like finding an empty parking lot, um, using the spaces in the parking lot to sort of, uh, twist around and just practicing your skills before you head out onto the road, because that little bit of practice will help. Um, and as far as, descending and going down mountains and hills. That is something that I recommend uh, working with a coach um, for. Like I worked with, I've worked with so many different people to help me with that skill. Uh, and I'm still not good at it, but I, I do it anyway. <laughs> uh, but working with a coach for that kind of thing is definitely helpful. Yeah. And also I think that, you know, and um, like you said, there are races that have really flat courses or they just aren't as challenging. And if anyone's looking at races now that everything's opening back up, when you go to the website, there's always race descriptions and they'll have the elevation. They usually have a course map and you can really determine what a bike course will look like. There's also people who are gonna be willing to talk about the race if they've done it before. They've probably written blog posts. You know, so you can do your research a little bit more. And I've had the problem where I have not done my research and all of a sudden I'm in this race with this huge, 
you know, dissent and I'm like, what did I do? They can be really fun, but I'm the one always riding my brakes for sure. But usually what goes down goes up and, you know, I'm, I think the three of us are pretty good climbers. So we can get our advantage going up and then the downhill, you just have to hold on for your life. But um, yeah, Katie, do you have any other questions or anything to add? I mean, so I did, uh, it, the last real race that I did was the Atlantic City half. Um, I did the aqua bike, Matias did the fall. And um, I solely trained on my Peloton and the fitness, like we, like Sarah, like you said, the fitness is there, fitness was there. I got like, I probably had my highest um, average power for 56 miles, but I also knew that I wasn't running. So that, you know, that came into it too. Um, but I got the worst tunnel vision and like vertigo. I, from just going so fast, <laughs> you know, cause I'm used to not, I was used to not going anywhere. So it does, you know, getting out there on, on the road, it does benefit. And I think like just once a week is a, a perfect, uh, perfect plan for people who are training for, you know, an outdoor race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything from wind to sun to bugs flying in your face to other people being around, you know, these are all these elements that we don't experience on the Peloton. And once you get out on the road, you're like, okay, now I have to figure out, you know, what sunglasses I need to keep the bugs out of my face. You know, so those, those are all things that you really can dial in once you get outside, but. Yes, definitely. Um, I didn't mention before, but wind is probably the number one thing that, uh, new cyclists going from Peloton to outside riding, uh, talk, just bring up right away is, oh, the wind It's like, of course, that's one of the things that, you know, that's what you're not going to have inside. And that just, that's something that is always going to be there. You just have to remember everybody has wind. It's not just picking you to be windy. The wind is going to affect everybody in out there. And you just have to ride more outside to get used to it. It's always going to be there. They're going to be really windy days that are going to be very challenging, but most of the time it's just going to be a normal windy day and a normal wind. So uh, that's definitely, I think, kind of a shock for people to come that go from inside riding to outside riding. And the key is just knowing that it's something you just deal with. Yeah. So anyway, we encourage everybody to do a triathlon if you can, if, you know, there's, we haven't discussed swimming, obviously that's a huge factor as well, but, um, we'll have to bring you back on for another segment to talk about swimming and to, you know, get people, a lot of people have fear of open water or just a fear of swimming. And, um, I've written many articles about kind of overcoming that fear because it's something that's really powerful to learn to swim as an adult. And people do it all the time. And you see these people have these amazing, you know, journeys to in triathlon. So we encourage everybody to give it a whirl if you if you have it in you. Otherwise, you know, just keep training on your Peloton and keep getting fit whatever way you want to. But um, all right, we're gonna bring Laurel back for our next segment in just a minute. For our powerhouse segment, we have back with us Laura Wozner, who is a Team Wilbur's triathlon coach and professional triathlete. Um, we're going to talk about how her triathlon journey, how she discovered triathlon um, and how she got there. Um, also being a first cancer survivor to become a professional and, and Ironman champion. Um, so we're just going to start from her beginning and how she 
started off as a swimmer and ended up as a professional triathlete. Okay, thanks, Katie. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. And um, I really love getting to chat with you guys, you and Sarah, my sister. Um, and fun fact, Katie's husband and uh, Sarah and I all swam together growing up. So it's kind of full circle. Uh, as far as my triathlon journey goes, I um, started, I think I did my first race in maybe 2006, um, just, just for fun. Um, I became a pro triathlete in 2008. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. Um, but to start out, I was a swimmer. I swam, um, starting at the age of five and all the way through college at George Washington university. And I played many other sports as well, but, um, swimming is the one that stuck. I also was a runner, um, in junior high and high school, but not to the extent of my sisters. I was kind of a talent, but didn't really apply myself um, for running and didn't really find a love for running until I did triathlon. So I always tell people that even if you don't love to run, um, you can learn to love to run. So um, in uh, the beginning of last year, I was approached by Matt uh, and to see if I wanted to coach. And it's always, it was always something I wanted to do. Um, I just didn't know when or how I would get clients or you know, how it would all come together. Uh, but I've always had that thought of, wouldn't it be fun if like a group of us did this together and I could share some of my knowledge and we, you know, that would be so much fun. And Matt proposed this idea of, do you want to coach with team Wilpers? And all of a sudden that came true. So the last year I've been uh, coaching with him and uh, he also recruited my sister, uh, Rebecca. So the two of us are, um, the triathlon coaches with Team Wilpers, and we just brought on um, Jenny Fletcher, who is another pro triathlete who was coaching with us. Can you go back a little bit and uh, talk about how you met Matt? You're in New York City, so how did you first meet Matt, get to know him? So I met Matt through a mutual friend, and she said, hey, would you guys mind if uh, my friend came swimming? She was going to come swimming with us, and she said, would you mind if my friend Matt comes swimming with us. And I said, okay, sure. And uh, at that point I was just kind of low key doing a swim, like hosting a little swim workout on Fridays. And so he came with us, came to, and we met him and um, then he joined our swim group for a little while. And that's how we got to meet him. Get a little bit more into coaching. I wanted to talk to you about your triathlon career. Uh, so you've, how many Ironmans have you done to this point? Do you have a, a tally in your head? Um, I think it's hovering around 14 or 15, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's 15. I feel like 15 would be a milestone. So, um, probably 13 or 14. And that was all done in a short span. Like you haven't been doing Ironmans for as long as you've been doing triathlon, you kind of started doing Ironmans a little bit later on. Yes. So I, um, I started doing Ironmans in 2014 and then I kind of went on a rampage <laughs> did 15 you know 14 in a couple of years yeah um, and you've been to the Ironman world championships and you've had a lot of success so can you talk about one of the races um that you you know, stands out in your mind the most yeah they, it's the thing with Ironman is you they all stand out because every single time you've crossed the finish line it's like you'll never forget that feeling um but the one that I probably um, think about the most is when I won, um, Ironman Taiwan and it was, um, and that will stay, stick with me forever because it will probably be the hottest 
um, temperature I'll ever be in um, in my life. <laughs> and uh, knowing that I did what I did in that temperature will be something I'll remember forever. So it was a hundred and um, the feels like was 114 uh, Fahrenheit. So oh it was really hot. <laughs> um, and uh, it was so hot that nobody, there were no fans. So it was kind of like, you know, it was a weird, surreal thing. Nobody wanted to be outside cheering. So when I crossed the finish line, there was this huge stadium and there were just the people that were uh, giving out water. And even that had, you know, dwindled down to a few. So um, it was, uh, you know, that was, that one stands out to me um, just because of the extreme conditions. Um, but I've done so many. Um, the other one that I have to stand up that, that stands out to me is Atlantic City when I won my first long distance triathlon. And um, my whole family was there. My just having my um, my family there cheering for me and uh, greeting me at the finish line. That those are the kind of things you remember. So in Taiwan, did you have the lead the whole time? Were you running by yourself in that marathon, or did you have? I yes, I uh, I rode with a. Uh, I came out of the. Uh, I did lead the whole way, but I was with. Uh, a girl, a French girl who um, was a really strong cyclist. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just sit with her a little while. And then I, then she just, it was so hot that all of a sudden she was gone and it was just me by myself for four hours on the bike. Um, and I'm not saying I wasn't by myself. There were people everywhere. Like when we got out to these little towns, um, people crossing the street, you know, just, there were, there were like, townspeople there, you know, not, not racers by that. So I was by myself for a long time, but I had other, you know, I things to look at. Um, and then on the run, yes, I was, uh, I was by myself, but it was a loop of a course. So I kept seeing other people, but I would just see fewer and fewer people because, um, it was so hot that people weren't finishing. Hmm. Wow. And I did. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of mental. Yeah. You know. So that takes as much <laughs> mental toughness as it does physical. Yes. Wow. And I, I couldn't run the pace. Obviously when it gets, when it's that hot, um, think something for people to remember is like when it gets even to, you know, 75 degrees in a marathon, your time, your, what you practice and your pace, you practice that the, the pace you do in practice, suddenly you have to add 10 seconds to it. And when it gets to be 90 degrees, you're going to add 20 seconds to it. And so when it gets to a hundred degrees, it's just a survival uh, mode. So I, so it wasn't like I was even looking at my pace or anything. It was just trying to finish. That's amazing. And I think I ran a 3.43 marathon or something, uh, which would have been like 45 minutes off of what I was training for. Uh, so it was, it's just, it, it's interesting. You never know what a race is going to throw at you. Yeah. It's incredible. Like when you look back and think, oh, wow, did I, how did I do that? But I guess mm -hmm. when you're in it, you're in it, right? You're just... That's what you're there for to race and to win. So, and you train for it for so long. And yes. And it's just when you're in a race, it's, it just becomes, okay, I, I want to get to the finish line. And there's, you know, so many things to, to think about. And there's so many negative things to think about. So you have to make sure that you keep those negative thoughts to very minimal. Like it's okay to have one or two because it reminds you you're still in it. But then you have to just think positive thoughts for, you know, hours on hours at a time. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah. <laughs> An Iron Man. Um, 
So again, before we get into coaching, I wanted to tap a little bit into your personal experience. So Katie mentioned that you're the first cancer survivor to become a pro triathlete. Also, I believe to win an Ironman. Um, we have a lot of people who have experienced cancer themselves in the, who listen to us and in the power zone community, cancer, unfortunately is a prevalent theme of people coming back from cancer, um, their own cancer journeys. So I know that you have, um, spoken about this before, but can you just talk, you know, it's a long story, but can you give us kind of like the, you know, in a nutshell, your experience and your own cancer journey before you became a pro triathlete? So I had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma um, when I was 23. And at that time I was, I did, I was thinking about becoming a pro triathlete. Um, although I was working in New York City um, not doing triathlon. And I, um, so I did, I had the thought of, you know, I'll work for a few years and then I'll get in really good shape and try to be a pro. Um, and of course that completely came to a grinding halt. And I just, I just changed what my outlook on, um, my sporting career was going to be, uh, because I couldn't even run at that point. I couldn't do anything. So I just put, took a really big break from anything athletic related, um, and I'd say I didn't swim for about like 10 years or something like that. Um, and I didn't, I did a little running, I would say maybe not 10 years, but close to it. And, um, I did a little running. I, I just built back up from zero. So I think that's something that, um, a lot of people going through the same thing are going to relate to, um, just build it starting from zero, basically. Like I had the background of, um, you know, knowing how to do these things, but it was just like when everything gets taken from you and you can't even walk across the room, you have to really start from the bottom. Um, and so it took me, you know, it took several years for that to happen. And I didn't do a triathlon until I think, like I was saying, 2006, which was five, it took me five years after my diagnosis to do anything. There are a lot more um, resources and a lot more um, like community, like you were saying this, there's just a lot more uh, people talking about their um, diagnosis, their treatment, their um, recovery um, that I didn't have the resource. I didn't have that. So um, I am, I love that there's now a, um, so many communities, including the power zone pack um, that where people can, can see other people's uh, journeys. And I think that's amazing. Well, I mean, people look at you for inspiration all the time because you actually exceeded your own expectations. I think any maybe doctor's expectations of where you actually were able to go after your treatment and you were a better athlete maybe for it, who knows, but you, it, you know, you were able to go to the top level of a sport and so many people um, see that and are inspired by that. So yeah, I think you can tell people that you, maybe the mental toughness that you had, I mean, that's a, maybe it's linked to what you went through when you were younger. Yes, I think so. I think that um, that's something I can draw on. Um, and I think um, I think I probably already always had some talent, but of course I could have said, I'm not going to do that. I'll do something completely different. Um, and, you know, not losing sight of what I wanted to do is I think what, um, what I like to sort of, that's, that's what I think is so important. It's like, okay, I could have said, no, I could have just said, I'm not going to be an athlete, but you can always try, you can always don't live, like, don't 
let go of those dreams. Like if you want to run a 10K and you can't run a step, you should try and you might, you may be able to do it. You may be able to, you know, do it and become a professional athlete who wins races, you know, so you never know. Um, or you just do it and maybe you want to do a marathon after that. So there's, yeah, I, I just, I always think about that. Like, what if I had just said no? Um, and I'm glad that I can, um, you know, inspire other people to, to do something similar. And so you said, you know, you're obviously you're right. Like, you know, 15 years ago, there, what, there wasn't the support that there is now and the, and the social media and the groups and all. So how did you find the, the strength to, you know, be okay and then to start from the ground again and, and build yourself up? Um, was it just family and friends to, to kind of support, like, to lean on? Um, yeah, that's really interesting because I um, didn't have any of that. And I had a couple um, people I knew that I wrote like, you know, letters to um, that, uh, that were going through the same thing. Um, and then mostly my sister who um, was doing triathlon and she was starting to become a tri professional triathlete around the same time. Um, and so that's who I had to, and I'm lucky I had somebody living with me who was going through what I wanted to do. So, um, she's the one who got me, um, it, you know, trained me and got me, um, to the point where I could run again. Yeah. She was your big cheerleader and, uh, in the show notes, we'll put the link to the documentary that they, that uh, Nike did on you guys. It's pretty incredible. Every time I watch it, um, it shows your relationship with Beck and how she helped you through that hard time and also kind of lifted you up to get to the next level of um, athletics. And, you know, you went from just like you said, hardly being able to run a step. And then all of a sudden you were winning races as an age grouper. And then you were a pro. It was, you did it like so seamlessly. I know it wasn't easy for you, but you did um, do it pretty, pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, a lot of you, you really built up a lot of mental strength because your experience in Taiwan, a lot of people wouldn't, most people, majority of people would not have that, have that kind of strength to, to do something like that too. So it's incredible. Yeah. And that's not the only hot race Laurel has done um, as her sister. And <laughs> I've watched, I think every race that she's, you've ever done online or followed it like obsessively. And I feel like 75% of the Ironmans you've done have been in extreme conditions, whether really hot or like raining and freezing. Yes. That, yes. I, I don't know. I bring, bring bad weather, but um, it's, I think also maybe I just succeed in those because I'm tough like I can do that um but sometimes in like the really you know easy courses I don't do that well so I think everybody's you know different but yes I do I've done a lot of different extreme temperatures and things like that and um I always just you know I finish and I realize there are people that are still out there they're going to go through this for a longer period of time in the hotter part of the day so I always try to go back out out to the course after I'm finished um with a race and cheer on the people that are still out there. Um, cause that's what really gives, inspires me. Yeah. You're, you're good with that. You always like race with a smile too. And you remind me that, you know, this is fun and it's not the end of the world. If you're feeling terrible, uh, I'll share one little anecdote when we were in, um, Chattanooga and that was a 70.3 and I thought I, I was ready to drop out. It was a two lap run. And I had trained so hard for this race. I put a lot of effort into doing well. I had these big goals 
and I just burned too many matches on the bike and the run was horrible. And you had a bad race that day. You actually didn't finish, but you came out onto the course and found me at a spot that I needed you the most. It was a hill. It was a huge hill. And I was really about to stop and walk. And all of a sudden I hear, come on, you're doing great. And I look up and there you are. And, um, you pushed me to the finish line and I would never have gotten there without you. And so that was just like, you could have gone home and sulked and, you know, just because you had a bad race and you could have made it all about you, but then you turned it into my day and it ended up being a pretty good day. Even though it was a struggle bus, I was able to break five hours for the first time and make it on the podium and qualify for world. So I would not have done that without you. So I know that your, your clients are benefiting from that energy that you have stored up and all of the experience that you've just accumulated through your professional triathlon career. It's like invaluable to these athletes. And even if they're not aspiring to win races, you just have that like encyclopedia of like, well, when it was hot, I did this. When it was cold, I did this. When I felt terrible, you know, you just have those great experiences to draw on. So they're lucky for sure to have you as a, let's move into coaching here. Um, Katie and I both have had triathlon coaches in the past. Um, Laurel, can you talk about why you might want, why your clients come to you? Um, how they come to you, like, what is this uh, Team Whelpers structure? Talk a little bit about that. Well, at Team Whelpers, um, for all of our, we, we coach um, running, cycling, and triathlon, um, but I'll speak about mostly triathlon. I do coach runners as well, um, so the you know, same theory applies, but we, um, we really aim to give our athletes the opportunity to succeed um, and flourish at every level of the sport. So you could be you know, somebody that's just starting and wants to do a 5k, maybe just wants to learn how to run. Um, or you could be trying to get a podium on an Ironman race. So we really encourage all levels. Um, and the same with the same kind of principles, uh, establishing consistency, um, and efficient training that works with their life, your the athlete's lifestyle. So we have a lot of, um, people that work a lot, um, I coach a few doctors. I coach some uh, people with jobs that just that have odd hours um, and, or, you know, moms that have all the hours. Um, so it's, there's a lot of uh, time constraints. So it's not like coaching. Um, so I, you know, as a professional athlete, you could work out whenever you want to. Um, when you coach a person that has very few limited hours, then you have to be really efficient and um, consistent. And those are the, like, those are the things we really stick to. You started last year, which is, you know, odd timing because of last, what was going on last year. Um, but it came to you at a good time because you weren't able to race obviously when the pandemic happened. And so it was actually a pretty good, um, turn for you, like a pivot in the pandemic that you were able to pick up athletes. So people were still coming to team Welpers despite the pandemic, maybe it was because of the pandemic, people needed more structure. Did you see that happening with your clients? Yes, I think that um, because people uh, are started, you know, started to work from home, there was maybe that hour that you would be commuting in the morning or hour in the evening. There's just a lot more time to dedicate to working out, um, just more time to work out, period. So I think it, it got people to um, 
first of all, maybe even want to start running or want to start training for a triathlon or a race or a, a running race or just getting a little more structure because they started working out more and then thinking, oh, I'm doing all this training, but wouldn't it be nice to have somebody schedule, give me a schedule and making sure that, or make sure that I do everything right. Um, and getting that guidance. People coming to you, even though there was no race on their schedule, they were just wanted to get, you know, their schedules. They wanted help with, you know, how to fit it all in and, and all of that. Exactly. Like, um, obviously nobody had a race on their schedule. I mean, maybe a few that we thought might happen, but, um, yes, it was pretty, what I love about it is that you, people were coming to us for, um, for coaching without even a race, which is, which is great because they're, they're athletes that want to do the right thing. They were the athletes that want to make the most smart decisions about their bodies and their training, uh, whether you have a race on the schedule or not. And, um, that that's been very fun and, uh, rewarding as a coach to, um, work with somebody like that. And you guys have done some time trials and even when people weren't racing, you still had some benchmarks. That yeah. So one of the things that we, uh, developed, uh, with the coaches during the pandemic is yes, you can train and not have a race, but it's always good to have a benchmark or, and it's also motivating to have something on the calendar. Uh, but a lot of people don't, it's interesting. A lot of people don't like to race, um, and they just like to train and, and that's like okay too, because if your end goal is to, um, you know, look good, feel good, be healthy for your family and, then that's fine too. So everybody has a different goal. Um, but with the time trials, it was, some people had never done, um, you know, a just this 5k distance before. So it was just, it's been really fun to introduce people to, um, training in the way that I've done it my whole life. Um, and I think Matt speaks to that as well. Like he's had the same sort of sporting background and, um, endurance sports coaching, in as an athlete and now is doing is bringing that to the masses and um we're sort of doing the same thing with our our clients so can you talk about the element of triathlon with team wilpers so he has three professional highly accomplished triathletes on the team wilpers staff um and i know that wasn't incidental so why is triathlon important to matt wilpers um and how do you plan on elevating that component of the team as you guys move forward? Well, Matt is the triathlete himself. Um, and it's funny, he's done a lot. He, he did a lot of races that um, I've done, but we didn't know each other then. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's just a sport he loves. He, um, and he does himself and um, wants to bring, you know, his, his love and passion for the sport to, to more people. So part of your structure with your athletes, are you doing bike and run workouts based on Peloton classes, or is it just whatever your individual athlete requests or wants? It's a, it's definitely a combination of all of those things. Um, some of, some people don't even, you know, might not even own a Peloton bike. Um, some people have a trainer, um, for some people we use the, you know, outside rides and outside runs. Um, but it's, we, but it, yeah, so it's a, it's a big mix. Um, but we do love to use Peloton workout, Matt's workouts, power zone workouts, any, you know, it doesn't specifically have to be power zone, um, because 
oftentimes I'll just say, go pick a ride that's fun because today is a fun ride. Um, and it's easy for us to, it's, you know, that our client can say, okay, great. I'll pick, you know, Jen Sherman's ride. And they, I know they're not going to work too hard because it's not a power zone ride. So, uh, but we do use a combination of Peloton rides, our own workouts that, you know, we use from, um, you know, our own structured workouts for swimming, for running. Um, and, but most, but there is a lot of, um, mixing in the power zone rides, which I think makes us unique in the coaching, um, sphere because, uh, we have, you know, such knowledge of all of those rides and how to put them in structured, a structured week for a triathlon training. Are you enjoying the most about coaching now that you're about a year in? Um, yes, I think I just had my year anniversary as a team Wilfers coach. So, um, I, what I love, I've loved mostly is, um, I love meeting people. And that's one of the reasons I love traveling for triathlons. Um, when that got sort of taken away, it was like, oh, I, you know, I don't meet people anymore because it's been a pandemic for, you know, don't get to go anywhere. Um, but I have just been introduced to some great people. And I think that that's what I love most about is just helping people with their, hearing their stories. I love, um, knowing the backstory, why they, want to do this, why they're coaching and, and helping them achieve those goals. And everybody's different. Um, everyone's gone through different things. Everyone's going through different things and they all sort of want, you know, they're, but they're all there to be, become more, you know, become healthy and live a healthy lifestyle. And I just love being a part of that. That's great. I would um, love to have you as my coach. <laughs> And of course, there's so many, there's the technical things of it too. I mean, I, of course I love, I get excited when I see that, you know, a person, one of my clients has improved by two seconds per mile on some, you know, over what they did the two weeks before. So those little technical, those are little wins for me, but maybe not for everybody else. Like, you know, you, you see those little technical details as well. So do you, do you see yourself going back to racing? I mean, are you, are you also, do you also write a plan for yourself? Um, how, how does that work? Um, yeah, so I, I have a couple of races hopefully on the schedule, but I, when I just didn't, I didn't want to travel during the pandemic. I've got, I got COVID twice in the last year. Um, and uh, like, it didn't seem responsible to go and travel all over the place. And it still does it to me. So I'm going to be waiting till I'm fully vaccinated to go anywhere and race, um, which is going to happen this week. And, and then I'm going to be searching for places to race that are safe. Um, so I will be doing a local race, I think in June. And then the New York City Triathlon supposedly has happened. We don't know. And that might be my you know first or second race back. Okay. Yeah. And um, I think you just, you said you, unfortunately got COVID twice. Um, as an athlete coming back from that, have you had to be more careful because we've been reading such terrible things about long haul COVID and especially among people who are like top level athletes. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you've had to be a little bit, um, less aggressive in your return from being, yeah. Sick? So it's, um, it's, I always find it very hard to, um, it's really, it's really hard to give out advice because I don't have any nobody really has a lot of scientific d data on any of this, but I can just speak to my experiences with it. Um, and uh, I would say I had pretty, I had a bad case both times, um, bad in the sense that 
it was, um, it wasn't as, you know, I wasn't in the hospital, but I was also didn't just have a cold. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, people that were worse off than me. So first of all, I, I can't, you know, I don't want to complain, but I did, um, have pretty bad symptoms and it took me out now a couple times, you know, twice this year for a couple months at a time. So I'm just coming back and about two weeks into my training, um, my heart rate is very elevated and something that a lot of athletes have experienced. Um, so it just doesn't seem like the right thing to play around with. Um, so I'm not pushing myself at all. Um, I'm just trying to get my legs back to it's first, I'm just getting the, my muscles back. Um, so I'm not pushing myself at all. I'm just doing the workouts without any intensity. And when my, I see my heart rate going back to normal, I'll be returning. I'll be putting the intensity back in. Yeah. That's what I've heard. The heart rate is people have a hard time keeping their heart rate down, uh, coming back after COVID. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because it's the kind of your heart rate, my heart rate went from just said, I'll go, go in an easy jog. It didn't feel like I was working hard. So I actually went on an easy jog. When I came back and looked at my heart rate, it was 10 to 20 beats higher than it normally is on an easy jog. So it's interesting because I didn't feel the heart, like you couldn't, as an athlete, we know that our heart rate gets elevated when we work hard and you can feel that. Um, this with this, it's just elevating without you feeling it. And I don't know what that means. And, and any the doctors that my sister has um, the same thing and she, her doc, her cardiologist that she visited did not have any um, thing to say about that. He didn't know. So um, we don't know. And I just don't want to play around with it. It's not worth it. It's, <laughs> you'll get, there are many races in our future and there's no need for anyone to rush back. If they're having an elevated heart rate, you cannot mess around with something like that. Okay. So Laurel, you mentioned, um, what we've been talking a lot about Matt, but we want to hear who your favorite, who, what else do you like on the Peloton? Who are some of your favorite instructors? Um, I like, I'm a big fan of all the music rides. Uh, I like when it's all one artist. So um, I just went through the Dixie Chicks, one of the Chicks ride. And then um, I like Jen Sherman's music a lot. And I think she's really funny. And these are rides I do. Like sometimes I'll um, actually listen to them while I'm running because I like the music so much. Um, and I also like, I of course do the Power Zone rides when I'm really trying to work out um, hard. And I like Maddie. Um, I think he's really funny. So I, I kind of, I, those are my favorite. And I really like Dennis Morton's um, yoga. I don't like yoga, but I like his yoga. So that's, <laughs> um, that's been fun to discover somebody that I actually can tolerate yoga with. Um, and I'm getting into the Pilates too. Yeah. It's, it's funny. A lot of the, um, the artists series lately, I'm like, who are these people? They seem to feel old. Oh, like, yeah, so okay. Some of them, I just, I have to look up. Um, yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah, that song, like the Savage, Megan Thee Stallion. I was like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did that ride with like my group, my neighborhood group. And we were all like, what was that? Like yeah. the whole time, like she was like, it was a performance by Kendall and she was like twerking the entire time. <laughs> and I was like, I don't do that ever. And especially not on a Peloton bike. I was like, I cannot imagine how I look right now if I even tried to work. <laughs> My kids know how to work really well, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. 
<laughs> I just, I'm not made for twerking. So, um, but yeah, that ride was actually one of the highest rated rides, I think for a long time, because she yeah. just full send Kendall just went for it in that ride. Um, it was, it was definitely a, a, a event I would say. <laughs> it was funny because Matt did a Tiesto ride. And I love that one. I love Tiesto. I didn't know who Tiesto was and he was um, preparing for it. He was at, um, we work together about once a week. Um, we meet and he was preparing for that ride and talking about how big of a deal it was. And I was kind of like, I don't even know who Tiesto is. Um, but I made sure that it was a nighttime ride. So I was like, I'm going to do this one um, for real in real life on the bike. And I did. And then I was like, oh, I know all these songs. I just didn't know who Tiesto was. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. And I hear it all the time now. Um, so I love that one. Um, I just want to talk about one of your other talents before we go, which is photography. And um, sometimes when people see pictures of Matt online and social media, you sometimes have taken those pictures, right? Yes. So uh, we, we try to meet at least once a month for photos. We actually did a big shoot yesterday and I'm going through all the pictures today. Um, so whenever he needs pictures, he does a lot of shoots with Peloton, but um, as well, uh, but with the pandemic, it was kind of slowing down with that. So um, yeah, so we meet to get some content and get to take some fun pictures of Matt. He's so photogenic that it's very easy. <laughs> I do. noticed that the other day during a ride, I was like, he doesn't have a bad angle. Like he just is very symmetrical. I, I, guess. I felt bad for him this morning. He was having some serious allergy problems on the bike. It looked like he'd been crying. I was like, oh, oh no. Yes, he, he was, uh, I think he, yesterday, the, um, well, finally in New York, we have a lot of trees, flowers, and we were walking around the city trying to get, find places to take pictures and he was suffering from the allergies. So um, I think it's, we, yeah, we allergies. to that. Oh my gosh. It's, it's not, it's not me. It's Mark or it's like, you know, one of the kids, everybody's allergies are pretty bad right now, but I guess when you're on, you, you have to yeah, explain what's going on. So people are like, what's wrong with Matt? Why is he crying? It's just allergies. Right. Normal people would just go on with their day. Right. So, um, we'll, we'll include your, your Instagram Laurel in our show notes, but people can check out Laurel's photos because, She's a, as well as being a talented athlete and coach, you're a great photographer. And so um, let's just see, and people can suss out what pictures of Matt that you've taken recently. <laughs> I always can tell the ones that you've taken. <laughs> uh, really? I guess yeah. I do have kind of a style. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before, before becoming a pro triathlete, I worked in photography for 10 years or so. So um, yeah. So it's been fun to sort of bring that back into my life as well. Yeah. And also the other team whoppers coaches, you've done some photo shoots with them. And so it's great that you can build content for, for team whoppers in that regard, as well as being a coach. Yes. <laughs> Multitasker over here. Hustler. Include <laughs> um, how people can, can sign up for team whoppers and Laurel, can they request people as coaches um, or are you randomly assigned when you sign up or how, how does that work? Yes, you can request. One thing I would love to re reiterate is that uh, team first coaching is really for all levels. Um, you don't have to be a pro at anything. You can just be a complete beginner. Um, and we take, you know, we'll take on somebody that hasn't, doesn't know how to swim. We, we love teaching people the basics. 
that's really great. And I think that takes out the intimidation factor too. Um, you know, maybe yes, and might I, be I forgot to mention that yeah. that the intimidate triathlon can be very intimidating because um, we could do a whole podcast about what kind of gear you need for triathlon. <laughs> running, you just need running shoes. But triathlon is, you know, there's so much to think about. There's three sports. There's tons of gear. There's you know different races to choose. Where what kind of race to choose? So there's guiding through people people through that process is. Um, one, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we can do, um, for athletes and, um, it can be very intimidating. I know that I went into it completely unknown. Like I mentioned before, I was going to like conferences in New York city about triathlon. Cause I didn't know where to turn. Um, and having a resource is always really helpful. Yeah. Well, great. It's such a great service that you provide and we will include information about how you can look into team whelpers and, uh, join the coaching or, you know, sign up for a coach. Um, you, there's many coaches on the roster. Um, Laurel, Rebecca, and Jenny Fletcher are the triathlon coaches, but they also have running coaches and cycling coaches. So it's a great squad. Um, it's, um, it's a good resource to have. So thanks. Yeah. Laurel. Thanks so much to Laurel Wozner for joining us as both our expert in our Power Up segment and our inspiration of our Powerhouse segment. You Wozner sisters all truly amaze me. It was wonderful to hear about Laurel's journey through the sport and where it has brought her today. As a coach loving to share her knowledge with her athletes while at the same time keeping her determination to train and race. I am sure we'll be hearing from Laurel again soon. Now if you guys have a question for us, we would love to hear from you. You can DM us on social media you can find Sarah at Sarah Wasner Plan and Katie at Katie Pelavicino. We'll see you next week.